And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thanks for joining us on this special program, this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. I hope that you will stay with us because we have a returning guest to our program, Sky Taylor, out of Ireland, all the way from Ireland across, as they say, the pond. I guess that's more the British than it is the Irish. Uh, nonetheless, it's great to have her back again. Uh, and the thing is, is we'll, we're going to be able to talk, we could talk about sacred geology. We can talk about the bees, and there's a connection there. We can talk about how to connect with your guides or how to get in touch with uh, yourself and getting to know who you really are. A lot of different areas we can go into. And Sky, I have to tell you, I always enjoy talking with you uh, for two reasons. One is because of the conversation that we have, uh, but also because I, I feel so much closer to Ireland when I'm talking to you. Well, I'll stay here then so that you get to stay close. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. And I thank you for joining us again here on the program. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. It is um, one of those things that uh, is very exciting for me because every once in a while I do this and I'm going to do this with you. I mean, as I mentioned, we've talked about a lot of different subjects over the, over, over the last few programs that we've been on. Today is something uh, special as well. Where are we going today? What's, what's, what's on the table for conversation? And then, of course, you know how the universe then kind of takes over. Mm -hmm. Where are right. we going today? Well, the first thing I thought of was asking you, where are you going? You've got a new show. You would only do a live thing. And uh, it seems to me that, um, that one of the wonderful things about having conversations is that it's about, about both people. And I was wondering if you wanted to say more about what the live show is about, how it is for you now that you've got more radio time, and um, how is this wonderful program you're offering everybody going for you in your life? Actually, uh, it's going quite well in the sense that um, as of uh, mid-February, uh, I was given this extra slot this this time uh, here on uh, this station to to have folks on such as yourself uh, to talk about the various things that are are out there to help people know that there are other ways of doing things and you could list mm. whatever you want and I'm going to find somebody that uh, probably mm. has a, a connection in that regard that I suppose without using too many of the catch words or phrases that everybody's using these days that is sustainable, uh, that supports the individual and the community, uh, that is, uh, if, if not fun, at least it's not a drudge. I know one of the most uh -huh. important things, too, is, is finding work that we love to do. And, and I've been work very fortunate. Work that we love to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that is one of the wonderful opportunities that this new time uh, and uh, new day, in addition to mm -hmm. our Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Uh, are all about. And we have different interviews on each of those three broadcasts, as well as a different one on, uh, on this special time here mm -hmm. on the station. Let me ask you, first of all, because we talked about the bees and they're very important to our, our livelihood, our, not just our livelihood, but our existence in many instances, because they are what or whom 
uh, pollinates and, so to speak, uh, gets the plants ready to uh, flower and then fruit and, and then we have food to eat and so forth. But there's another aspect to that that I found interesting. And you were talking about, um, in one of our programs, sacred geometry, <clears throat> which, which I think is a, a very interesting conversation in and of itself. I remember hearing about sacred geometry, interestingly enough, when I was working at the Christian radio station back in the 80s, early 90s. Tell us, for those who aren't familiar, I mean, I know what geometry, geometry is. I took it in high school. I took it. I don't know how much I learned, but I took it. <laughs> um, but right. now we're talking about sacred geometry, and it, make, it, it, it kicks up in my mind this concept of, well, there's physics— and then there's quantum physics. So tell us about uh, what your knowledge of sacred geometry is, uh, as f maybe in comparison to regular geometry. How does, uh, what is it? Well, to be quite honest, I'm not the world's expert on, by any means, on sacred geometry. Sure. But what got me into it was working with the honeybees. Because, oh. um, and this is a defining issue, actually, with a, this discussion about the bees being in our mind's attention because of the way they pollinate so much of our food. So again, I'm just going to, I'll come back around to the sacred geometry. Mm -hmm. But again, what we're really talking about is industrial care or industrial um, use of honeybees which if you deliver them in their box hives to an orchard at the right time will faithfully go from flower to same flower to same flower and pollinate that crop like in California the famous almond um, valley which used to be a different valley altogether but is now um, planted almost exclusively to almonds in a very industrial straight lines for miles and miles mm. and miles bare dirt underneath so the only way to get that pollinated is to bring in industrial hives the beekeeping industry the beekeeping industry pays no attention whatsoever to the geometry of bees. They are into the pollination of an industrial food crop, a non-organic, highly sprayed, highly valuable on the world market almond trade or other crops, citrus crops in Florida, berry crops in the northeast in particular. So these 18 wheelers cross the country with hundreds of hives that get dumped. And the reason that the honeybee is the, is the issue is because honeybees, unlike wild bees, only take pollen and nectar from the same plant in one day. They don't go from a, one plant to a different plant. Wild bees 
will go from a cherry tree to an apple tree you know, and you know then over to your squash plant or whatever it's it's they just they go around like hummingbirds mm-hmm. and sip what's around they also don't make beautiful comb that is easy for us to take and put into jars and sell as honey so it's because of the value of their work that we value the honeybee now, speaking of you, physics yeah. and, and aerodynamics, I, I learned years and years and years ago, maybe in school, that from an aerodynamic standpoint, bees aren't supposed to be able to fly. And yet, well, you know, especially drone, yeah. it's really impossible to see how that little bee flies. But if you look closely under these wonderful spectrum microphones that people take photographs of, then... Um, it appears that the bee's body is actually full of channels. So it kind of, it, it has sort of barometric pressure that lifts it up on those tiny wings and lets it go places. It's true that the wings are not actually by themselves enough to lift the body of a bee, especially when it's either a drone, which is a bigger, heavier bee, or when it's the foraging bee packed with pollen and with all that nectar in its tummy, you know, weighing it down. But they do. So there must be some kind of sense of, of pressure lifting, you know, like you would do in a hot air balloon, you mm-hmm. know, when you lift it up and mm-hmm. you let it come down. They must have an internal system of pressures that allows them to um, kind of glide more than fly or glide and fly or somewhere in between. Yeah. But if we go to the sacred geometry issue, this is the way I got interested in it, is because when you look at the honeycomb of a you know a natural capillary curve comb made by bees, as opposed to a rectangular piece of pressed manufactured comb pushed into a box, which is what the industrial system does, you know, because it's always the bottom line is efficiency and profit. Mm-hmm. They go together in industry. They don't go together in life. They only go together in industry, efficiency and profit. But in the natural honeycomb, you can see clearly the six-sidedness of every tiny little cell in it, the hexagonal imprint of their lives and you can see clearly the different sizes of cells that they make the smaller ones for the girls and the bigger ones for the boys and of course that's not in the manufactured one but they'll they'll work with that they're very adaptable and then a very different sack that comes down for when the queen lays an egg for a new queen indicating that she's ready to swarm pretty soon but if you look at it it's just so beautiful you start to kind of fall into that beauty and consider the influences of it you know some people in Europe did an experiment with packaging and they found out that anything that was packaged in a hexagonal container you know say yogurt rather than a round container lasted longer Hmm. 
And it's actually equally as stackable because six-sided things fit together really very well, as you can see in the honeycomb. Hmm. But And six is the number in if you in numerology that as we go through our lives, six is considered to be the number of the space of the heart and Kabbalah and other things. It's, it's it's here. So there's a we love honey, we love bees. You know, we if we may be afraid of them if we're allergic, but basically there's this real sort of warm, fuzzy feeling about bees and honeybees. But when I started looking more or learning more first about um, the bees, I went to a wonderful bee club in the um, Catskills. And these people really knew their stuff. And they were very generous with their knowledge. And so I found out all the different time cycles of the gestation of the three kinds of bees. You know, the queen takes 16 days from an egg to a queen. But the girls who do all the work in the hive and do uh, the ones you see on the blossoms are all female. They take 21 days to gestate. And the drones take between 23 and 25 days. Now, it's that information, the between 25 and 23 days that really got me going on the sacred geometry because I thought when, where in a hive and when in a bee's life are they not absolutely exact? So how come there's this margin of three days, the 23rd, 24th and 25th day, how come that margin is in there for the drones? What is influencing that time period? Mm. And eventually, after a number of years of pondering and not finding any information about this readily in the bee books, I came across an astrological notation that says that Venus passes through the 12 constellations of the sky unevenly. And she takes between 23 and 25 days to pass through and a constellation in the sky. So at that point, I was like, good Lord, these bees are totally influenced by stars hmm. and starlight. That's to me and that it's from the stars mm -hmm. that we mm -hmm. get sacred geometry. Sacred geometry comes out of astronomical observation. Hmm. You're watching the stars move, and then some great astronomer of the past would make a map down here, and they'd watch the star move and make a map down here. And eventually they started understanding these geometric truths. And the one for Venus is really fascinating because Venus and planet Earth are considered sister planets. You know, they're very close. I think Venus takes um, 22 months to go around the sun, and we take 24 months. I mean, in the skies, we're very close. Mm -hmm. And we have a very sympathetic or orbit. You know, we, we're not far away from each other in the sky. We kind of go around together in the sky. 
But because Venus is faster, there are times when Venus, who is closest to the sun, and Earth come out here. So then there are times when the Earth and Venus and the sun are in a direct line with each other, which means that Venus is kind of almost visually blocking the sun from us. Venus is tiny, tiny, and the sun is huge. Mm. We don't notice this, except in about, um, I think it was 2012, there was a beautiful passage of Venus passing the sun that was visible in North America and California at the time. It was just like a teardrop moving down the face of the sun that you mm. could see with those special glasses. But basically, over a period of eight years, as the Earth moves around the sun eight times, inside here is Venus moving around the sun. And over that period of time, that same lineup between the Earth, Venus, and the sun happens five times. If you draw a point where it happens once and then where it happens again, in the end, you get a perfect pentagram in the sky. Five-sided star or a five-pentagon, five-sided. And this is actually the sacred geometry that describes the movement of the Earth and Sun in relationship to Venus. So Venus has a very big effect on bees. Hmm. She's like the ruling planet. I find it, I, I do find it interesting, Sky, that um, with the sacred geometry, astronomy, and astrology, they are they are linked, and it's 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 inexorably linked in that respect. And what's so fascinating from my perspective is that uh, obviously the powers that be during ancient times, if you will, they knew yes. about this, but the regular people, shall we say the peasants, <laughs> you know, the common folk, they didn't. And so the powers that be used that information, if you will, against. I've heard some stories in that regard. But what I find so fascinating when is... You, when do you know about that? Well, the church, for example, in the early early days, maybe the, I don't know, the 8th, 10th, 12th century, something like that, there was a story I heard where the church knew that uh, there was an eclipse that was coming. So they um, used that to their advantage to get more money out of the people by saying that God is angry because you haven't given enough, and he's darkening, he's taking the oh, light yeah, away. That, well, you know, it's... it's, it's, it, it's um, unconscionable that people should abuse the sacred in this way. Sure. But what's fascinating but to me... it happens all the time. Right. It's fascinating to me, though, that on the one hand, uh, astrology and astronomy are poo-pooed, and yet it's being used by the very people who are poo-pooing it, because it's not because there's anything wrong with it, it's because they don't want people using it uh, for their personal... No, it's because they're ignorant. Well... It's because they don't understand, actually... The true power of ah, the eclipse. Interesting. Right? Well, and there's a sense that when we don't really understand something, we're a little bit afraid of it. True. That is true. So when we're a little bit afraid of something, then we try to master it and make it work for us. Mm. 
And it seems as though that has been happening, uh, obviously, down through the centuries, but we can even see that today uh, in, in our daily lives. Um, I, I find, uh, I'm curious as your, to your perspective, I, I hear people who uh, basically uh, um, denounce, for example, climate change. Well, I'm not going to denounce it. Uh, climate change is inevitable because climates change and we go through cycles. Uh, but does that mean we should do nothing? Does that mean that uh, we should just forget about making changes? I mean, I've even heard it said that if uh, the changing climates continue in the direction that they're going, with or without man's help, that the temperatures are going to rise to a point where we're not going to have food growing out of the ground because it's going to be too doggone hot. And um, that, you know, it's, it's all going to be over. So does that mean that we just say, well, it's inevitable where we're, the species is going to be wiped out because of climate change, whether we do anything or not? So it eh, doesn't matter. Or let's look at the root of the cause. Well, some Rather say that the cause... parts of the condition. Right, but some say that the cause is just nature. It is. It's, it's our, it is nature. Mm -hmm. It's nature's response to being industrialized. Mm. Just like colony collapse disorder was nature's response in the bee yard for the bees being industrialized, just like mad cow disease is a disease born in concentrated animal feeding farms where the cows are, are industrialized. Mm -hmm. It's totally about nature. Right. And the outcome of our lack of respect because we have lost touch with the sacred element of all life. We've crushed it. People don't feel sacred within themselves. Do you? I, I do, although Good. there are moments, there are times when I feel a little less so because of... No, but you do sometimes. Yeah. This is what we're looking for. Yeah. All the fundamental change that I believe we need is for people to start. I got a note here to talk about this. Basically, turning the telescope around mm -hmm. or shifting the kaleidoscope from your fixed views to see how else we can perceive this extraordinary display of life called nature. Mm -hmm. If we only look down the telescope from the big end to the small end that says, I'm only looking for what I can get out of here, mm -hmm. we're going to minimize our view, narrow our mind, and only see things like efficiency and profit. Mm. If we flip the telescope around and look down the small end to the wider view, we're going to see that what's involved in that is an interdependent weaving of nature's multitude of expressions, mm. animals, plants, stones, people, birds, fish, whales, air, rain, snow heat 
is an exquisite symphony of action that comes together. But when you try to tame it, when you think you're better than it is, instead of learning to live with it and within it and to know that it lives within you, then we make a huge error and it cleaves us away from our relationship because we lose respect. Hmm. Uh, that's what uh, is so beautiful about a line in a, a modern Irish song. You do not own the land. The land owns you. That's right. You know? And it's extremely important for us, I think, to, uh, I mean, I love working with the land, getting my hands in the soil or uh, even yeah. if it's trimming the trees, you know, doing some pruning, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. We're talking with Sky Taylor. We are talking about a lot of different subjects we've talked about before. You can hear more of our interviews uh, on uh, the SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM podcast sites, as well as um, the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. You'll be able to watch this interview as well, so we hope that you will do just that. And we also uh, ask you to... Uh, Join us on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. And we also ask you, if you uh, are so inclined, uh, if you like what we're doing, the information that we're bringing to you, we'd love to hear from you as well as uh, get your financial support. That's why we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And also, we'd like you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where uh, we would hope that you would spend time going within. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story with my very special guest, Sky Taylor. And you can go to sky-talk. Now, that's S-K-Y-E hyphen or dash. Uh, T-A-L-K dot com. That's her website where you can find out more about the work that she does as well as um, a book that she has, A Monk in the Beehive. Uh, uh, and uh, we hope that you will participate in this program by uh, going and listening to some of these uh, programs. A Monk in the Beehive is a book that uh, we talked about the last time you were on and talking a lot about the bees. What I want to talk about now is this aspect of going within, of, of listening to that still, small voice, getting the guidance that we need. I'm hearing more and more of my guests uh, uh, talking about that. Uh, it's interesting. I've been talking about it, uh, obviously, for a long, long time on this program, but especially in 2019, as we were headed for uh, the new year of 2020, uh, the, the year of perfect vision and now the decade of perfect vision and encouraging people to find that calm, peaceful place. Just relax, rejuvenate, recenter, reorganize yourself, listen to that still small voice and get the guidance and the, the encouragement and the support that you need, as well as information. Talk to us about your experiences in that area of your inner life, if you can. <laughs> Mm. My inner life. Well, it's a rich territory. It's a very beautiful um, landscape. It isn't always. Life hasn't always produced a beautiful landscape. 
on the interior of my being. But whatever landscape I find within me, I trust is the absolute um, reflection of my situation or my thinking or my uh, process at the time. For example, after my mother died, um, which is about 10, it's more than 10 years ago, I had a situation come up where I also wanted to and thought I was able to go back to a temple that I used to live in in Northern California, a Tibetan Buddhist center. And I packed up everything, you know, mom, you know, I was very close to my mother and um, not in a particularly healthy way, I might say, but nevertheless, it was a big shift in my life. And anyway, I went to California and I thought I was going to go live at this monastery and re regroup with my teachings. And all across the country, I kept getting this message, you know, this isn't going to work inside of me. But I had everything in the car, including my dog, and I had nothing else except some boxes of books parked with other people. I'd given it away, sold some stuff, and put everything else in this Subaru. And the more I drove across the country, the more difficult it became. So one day, you know, I have a bundle, I have my shaman's bundle, and I work with stones a lot. And... Um, we were in Wyoming, my dog and I, in the car. And I got out of bed and I couldn't stand up. So I took that as we're not going anywhere today. <laughs> we better stop driving. <laughs> and so finally I managed to get us to a, a hill. And I got my walking stick out and I, met, I was determined to just walk myself back. And I took my bundle, and um, I went up onto this beautiful, I guess it was a small mountain, but it's a hill overlooking the town whose name I forget. But my point was to get back in touch through being in raw nature with my inner guidance, which I had kind of lost track of driving across from New York on I-70 through the northern part of the state, which was very depressing to, to drive through in the middle of winter with all of this industrial farmland. So we went up into this hill and I had a particular stone with me and I thought, well, I need to know, am I going to be able to get into this um, monastery or not? How am I going to know? Yeah. So I found a little stone, a big stone, which had been hollowed out by the wind. So there's a kind of little cave in there. And so I put my stone inside the cave. And I spoke to star nations because star nations are my visual guides. I'd, when I see certain constellations, I know better where I am in life. They, they, they talk to me. I talk to stars. What can I tell you? I talk to stars. They talk back. Mm -hmm. 
So I went there with a with a stone that was actually a star because it was a meteorite. And I wanted to talk to my home base star. And I put this little stone inside the cave which was in this wind stone. And I said, if that stone's in there in the morning, I'll be able to go into the temple. And if it's not, well, then I'll know. So I went back to the motel and we had our dinner and slept. And you have to leave things out at night if you want to do this kind of thing. It's all done by starlight. Mm -hmm. And the next morning I went up and I didn't know if I'd find it. And of course I found it. And that little star seed stone was outside the cave. Still there, but not in. I mean, and I had to put my hand in there to put it down. It wasn't balanced on the edge or anything. And they're heavy, the meteors. They're heavy, they're iron. So I was like, okay, that's my guidance. I won't be allowed in. And I wasn't allowed. But what I do when these things happen, you know, it's like, okay, I lost my mother. I've lost. I was making wrong choices or making some difficulty for myself here. Who knows? Can't sort it out. Totally confused. In Wyoming, never been here before, on the way to California, way past Minneapolis, where I could have stayed, but I thought not. And away from New York, which is where I really mostly felt like I belonged in America. It's a Hudson Valley. So here I am on one of these madcap adventures with a dog. So what I do is I go in, just like we did in our first session, Richard. I go in and I move my awareness, my thinking mind. I kind of gather it together so it stops going all over the place. I just bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. First of all, into my forehead. And then I bring that down, down, and I watch and listen as my voice starts going down. And I stay, when I get there, in my heart center, in the middle of my chest. And then I just rest there. And notice how I am. Am I kind of shaky? Am I kind of peaceful? Am I turbulent? You know, what's really going on here? And for three weeks after this, all I saw in here was total darkness. Hmm. No starlight. Like a nighttime sky with no clouds and no stars. And I used to think, and I still think, that one of the most, one of the few things that would really possibly terrify me would be to go out at night when there were no clouds and the stars had disappeared. Mm. We would, I feel like we would have lost everything. Yeah. Our sense, our sense of where we are. Imagine Earth spinning around, no starlights, no other planets. What a different world this would be. You know, it would be it's unimaginable. Yeah. So anyway, this darkness is what I found here. And I thought about it. Well, I just stayed at the edge of it and watched. 
And even I didn't turn around, but I knew that it was all directions and all depths and heights. It was just darkness. And what, after about three days, I thought, well, you know, it's, it's not threatening. I didn't feel threatened by it. And then I thought, well, maybe it's even friendly. So I thought, well, if it's friendly, at least it's not threatening. Maybe I can walk through it. Maybe I'm supposed to walk through this darkness. So I started walking. In my inner mind, I started walking through this darkness for days and days and days. All this time, I'm still driving across the country during the daytime mm -hmm. with my dog. And we go to the temple because we said we'd go and we were told we couldn't come in, which we understood, and we wandered around, and I'm still walking in this darkness. And one day, I'm walking in the darkness, I kind of got used to it, I don't have any expectations anymore, and then whoop, suddenly, as I'm sitting in it, paying attention to what's happening here, I'm walking in darkness and I stop, and I realize I'm at the edge of a cliff. It's not a very big cliff. So I look up and I look out and over the water, the sea, the half moon is setting. And that was the end of that period of transition for me and how I navigated. In the ordinary daytime world, about six hours later, a friend of mine phones up and says, hey, listen, you know, there's a town down south of uh, San Francisco, you might really like. It's called Half Moon Bay. Mm. So that's where I went. And that's where I ended up finessing the bees, hives, and starting this book. But that's how I did it. Mm. And that is trusting one's inner voice, intuition, guidance, and uh, uh, what I find fascinating, uh, Sky, is the fact that you also trusted. Uh, you didn't necessarily fear it, although you didn't know exactly what it was. You went ahead and you trusted it just the same as, as we do here on this program, as we trust people are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Uh, that uh, we come your way on Sundays and Mondays, and we have the podcast, and we have YouTube now, and we encourage people to participate in all of the different things that we have available here. We're talking with Sky Taylor and sky-talk.com. That's S-K-Y-E-T-A-L-K.com. We will be linked to her website as well so that uh, you can uh, continue what I like to call your transformational and or evolutionary process that we're all going through. We're all uh, going through a transformational process, um, and uh, we're, we're going through it as a species because of the pandemic. We're going through it as a species because of uh, the changes in our climate. Uh, we're going through it as uh, uh, communities because of the changes in maybe our governments. Uh, uh, maybe we're going through changes uh, uh, as well because of um, our shifting philosophical perspectives, things that we no longer believe because they don't serve us anymore. They don't make any sense or they just, I, I, I found something else to replace it. 
uh, and I find that very interesting as well. Sky, I'm curious, uh, as we are um, uh, certainly coming close to the end of our uh, time together on this program, I would love for you to uh, to share with us a little bit <clears throat> about uh, not just your journey uh, in the States. And, and I tell you what, uh, I probably might agree with you as far as the um, uh, depressing aspects of traveling across countries in the winter in particular because there are no leaves on the trees there's no green and i tell you what that green does something to the to the psyche if you will when you when you have springtime and you have greenery everywhere and it just there's something about the green that just lifts your soul lifts your spirit mm-hmm. In uh, as much as I love the cold and I love seeing snow and, and walking around in it from time to time, uh, uh, it's you know it is it is a barren kind of uh, uh, look uh, if if you're in it for extended periods of time. I think Antarctica would not be a uh, a fun place to live if one were to live there. But what about uh, your journey since uh, your your experience there that? that took you to Ireland and, and has you putting down roots there? Well, actually, this might be relevant. What I was really hoping we'd have time for is to talk about, you know, how other people might handle some of these transitions that you are expressing. Mm-hmm. It's so for everybody. And for me, that, that transition started when I went through this experience, I started realizing that I was beginning to um, loosen uh, my ties to certain places and um, people in, in America. So I started thinking about going to Ireland at that same time. But I didn't actually put it into action until about five years later in, in about um, 2016. I could see with the way that the political climate was going that um, what I understood as being the sort of underbelly of American culture, some of the more difficult sides of its um, bilious nature, shall we say, um, were going to be put on the table for everybody to look at. And I saw that. But I'm, you know, I'm an outsider in America. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant. I'm not American. And um, I noticed for myself that my health was not doing very well. My wealth was not doing very well. And my mind was getting depressed. And I thought, well, there are two ways for this to go. One is I'm going to die young. And the other is I can change my life. So I decided, of course, that I would simply change my life. But the word simple in there isn't really quite true. It's not that simple. But the point is you can. Mm -hmm. If you find that you don't feel well, if you find that um, things are kind of going downhill in your life or that you feel blocked in what you're doing, or you, you think you're okay while you're at work, but when you get back from work, you realize how much it takes out of you. When the joy in your life seems to be a memory rather than a visceral experience, then sometimes we want to 
come to terms with these things and make a decision to change our lives. And at this point, this is when we want to shift the kaleidoscope, yeah. how we want to get in touch with things in our own hearts, how we want to consider where do we belong in the scheme of things, and not so much what do we want, but what do we need? What are the basics mm -hmm. that we need? And then we go from there. Perhaps we'll talk about this again. Absolutely. Uh, I, I look forward to having you as a regular guest on the program because... Uh, I would be honored. I really enjoy the way you lead these conversations around, about, and back again. It's very skillful. And I extend my gratitude to the universe for its assistance in that process as well, and thank you. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, in the la let's just say in the last 60 seconds that we have here, can you leave us with a message that you feel uh, people need to hear? I mean, you've said an awful lot that people need to hear and kind of take in and sort of percolate, uh, but is there a particular yes. something that to, to share? Go right ahead. If you consider the possibility of getting in touch with your guides, you will never feel alone again. If you want to change your life, it's really helpful to get some kind of inner guidance, which you could consider, some people say, as their own higher self, some of us think about stars or angels or any kind of anything that embodies or epitomizes the sacred for you. Get in touch with what you can rely on, what you trust, and how it shows itself to you. If you could do that, any change you go through will be quite manageable. And the outcome will be very positive. Hmm. Sky Taylor is my guest, and we will have her back again. And we thank you again so much for giving us this time on this very special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And a reminder, we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. as well as this special time. And uh, we are also podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, many other locations you folks are reposting us to. And we also encourage you, if you can, to financially support us through PayPal for your security as well as ours. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And please participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.